This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Bold Girl Biz Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to fearless and brave entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Robbie Walls. So consider yourself one step closer to success. Why? Because you're going to hear lessons learned through failures, setbacks, and sometimes laughable moments in business. And the resilience it takes to get back up, shake it off, and move you from failure to success as a way to grow your business and build income. Let's go. Hey, welcome everyone to Bold Girl Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Walls. Today, I have a question for you. How is your mastery under pressure? Well, today's guest is going to talk more about mastery under pressure. What is it? What it looks like? And what it does for the mind? She is an optimal performance specialist and sports psychology consultant. She works with executives, leaders, athletes, artists, speakers, and other high achievers who want to increase their performance level in high stakes and high pressure situations. She has a signature program called Mastery Under Pressure. It uses cutting edge technology, neuroscience, energy psychology, sports psychology, and current learning theory. As she likes to always say, the only thing standing between you and your goals is you. Here to talk bold girl biz is a bold girl talking biz. Let's welcome Tina Greenbaum to the show. Hi, Tina. Hi, Robbie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am so, so very excited about what you're doing, what you can tell our audience. Um, I find it fascinating because you, this is a topic that is so set apart from what everyone else is doing. Um, so this is very, very fascinating. I think our audience is going to learn a lot and get a lot of lessons to be um, taught in this, in, in this segment today. I'm hoping so. Yes, yes. So let's jump right in. And um, so I asked the question right in the beginning is how is your mastery under pressure? Um, So let's talk about your journey first and how, how you became an expert in this field. That's a great question. It goes back now 37 years. Wow. I've been doing this and still love what I do and still fascinated in learning. I started out, I am a psychotherapist by training, a a licensed clinical social worker. Mm. And so very early on, my first job was working with women with eating disorders. And at that time, nobody had ever treated them. So we were given a manual that said uh, alcoholism, crossed it out, put eating disorders. And here they said, go to this uh, beginning therapist. And very, very early on, I really kind of came to see that this talking therapy 
especially at that time when I was trained, it was, we would sit there and go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, how are, you know, I'm not here to do this for 15 years with this one person. And I really like to be successful and I was not being successful. Uh-huh. And so I started kind of wondering, I, I, I used to say to the, the, the young women, I said, I, I hear you, but I don't feel you. And you can't see me now, but I'm sort of holding my hand in front of my heart. And it's like, if I, if I don't feel you, I just know you're not going to change. That's so right. how do I get from your head to your heart and start to access those emotions and feelings and actually basically the unconscious to help you change in a way that my, my thought has always been, how do I help you change at a fundamental level? Mm-hmm. Because the body gets triggered before the mind gets triggered. And if we're only talking, 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 we're not, we're not, we don't have the right tool to get to the place where the action is. And so my first clue was at a yoga class and I got into that deep state of relaxation. And I said, if I could only get those young women to do this, then maybe they wouldn't need their eating disorder. And that was the beginning of a very long journey of combining yoga and therapy and body work and energy and spirituality and anything that I could find that would help me get under the conscious mind where change actually takes place. So that's how I got started. And then over the years, again, I'm really basically a teacher by nature. Okay. So I I really wanted to, you and I've talked about that. I I wanted to be able to teach skills. Well, this is great. So now you can tell me about your mother and your father and your sister and your brother, but what are you going to do when you want to go for a job interview or what do you want to do? Your heart is racing and you want to make a presentation and you can't get the words out or your mind freezes. And so at the same time, um, my father was a real sports nut. Okay. And so you can learn everything that you need to learn about life on the ball field and transfer it to life situations. So that was kind of a clue. And then I love sports and athletics and I have uh, three boys. Two of them were very, very competitive athletes. One all the way up to the, um, wanted to play at the national level. And so I used to go to the games with them and, it, and I'd watch them in front of the goal. Let's say when they were, you know, the, it was the, the last seconds of the, of the match and, you know, they were responsible yeah. for hitting, a, you know, doing a penalty kick and the whole game would depend on whether they could get that kick in, into the goal. And so it wasn't really the, the level of skill that they needed in terms of how to kick the ball. They knew how to do that, Uh but they didn't know necessarily how to control their mind to be able to focus exactly where they needed to focus because the percentages were in their favor, really Mm. to beat the goalie. So I used to get in the car with them and I'd say, Oh, I don't know a lot about soccer, but I know a lot about psychology. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of the beginning of how I, you know, started to create all these different programs. And I lived in Washington, DC. So I worked with a lot of lawyers. And then I lived in New York. And I worked with a lot of actors and dancers and performers and bank presidents and financial people. And now I'm out here in California and San Francisco and it's tech. And But the issues are pretty much the same, plus creating my own business and starting over six times in my adult career. Okay. One of these places to the next place. Um, so everything that I teach, Robbie, I uh-huh. do. <laughs> you know, it comes from me first. I'm the guinea pig. Okay. 
if it works for me, then the next day I'm, I'm trying it on my clients. <laughs> Great. So my question, I, ha- I have two questions, but my first question is um, when that person comes to you and um, they're a high performer and they have some fear around achieving that success, or like you said, your son in the soccer goal, they had to stay focused. Um, do you see the body or how do you, how can you recognize that, um, they are going through something and that you can then again, help them in that change? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so one thing is I'm a very active listener Mm. and I was asking my husband the other day, I said, what is it that I do that you think is like special? (laughs) And he said, well, you're a really, really good listener. And when you listen that carefully and you are a problem solver, you help people be able, you know, to be able to solve their own problems. So number one is I listen very carefully. I can tell honestly within a couple minutes, whether anybody has done any personal growth work or where they're, where, where they get into trouble. So that's one thing. The other is the more work that you do on yourself, the more transformational work, it's not just your thoughts that change, your energy changes. And so great leaders, when you're in their presence, you feel calm. You feel like, you know, I could trust this person or I want to, and it's, it's so unconscious. We don't even recognize it. Right but I can pick up people's energy. So if somebody's sitting there and, you know, they're tapping their feet or mm-hmm. their voice or over the years, because I've done so, so much personal growth work myself, my body and my mind are pretty um, tuned in, mm-hmm. you know, I have a high degree of intuition. And so I've learned over the years to, to depend on it. So I just start to notice what I'm experiencing in somebody else's presence. Ah, Oh yeah. No. Um, I, I know I, I have a friend that when he sits down, um, and like we're in church or, you know, at a gathering, his leg will just, he just starts moving it just, just like, um, I don't know what do you call it? Just like a jitter just, and it's just going up and down, up and down. And I, and I put my hand on his knee and say, calm, just like relax, you know? So what, what is that? Cause I don't, I have a friend that does it, but then I see other people when they're sitting down and they're moving or jumping that leg. Well, it usually means that there's a level of anxiety. Ah, yep. They may or may not even be aware of. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if you were to go and put your hand on that, that, that fellow's leg, he might've turned around and like, like, no, oh, like. Yeah. He doesn't even know that he's doing it. Right. I'm like, right. oh, dude. Right. I'm down because it's a distraction for me. You know, I can see it on the, on, you know, in my peripheral vision and, uh, I, yeah, I never would think that it would be a part of anxiety, but yeah, you bring up a a very good point about that. Absolutely. Hands fidgeting, feet fidgeting, um, the voice, you can pick it up in the voice. Yes. Um, Pick it up in people's expression. And over time, if you really spend time really learning how to be an active listener and learning what how communication really works and the way that you say things and how people respond and the way that you respond when people speak to you in a certain way. There's so much that goes on. I, th- I think it's like 7%. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7% of what we say is actually taken in. 
and the rest is all body language. All body language. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so my second question goes into when you started your business, you, you mentioned that you had a lots of lessons to share. Um, and our audience is all about those lessons because they are right at that point where they are starting their business or right at that middle and saying, okay, I'm, I'm about to give up, but I need some lessons, some help. Um, so kind of go back and talk about how you scaled your business and how, you know, all of the lessons and challenges that, or pick one challenge that really will resonate with us. Yeah. So when I started, this was in um, 1983. Wow. Mm -hmm. there, there were no computers, so there was nothing online. And I started working in this hospital and then I left the hospital and uh, was working with a woman and it was her business. And she was paying me, oh gosh, once a month, a very oh. small amount. And I was working really hard and, <laughs> and I just, this is like not, not going to work for me. I also learned very, very, very early on, uh, as my ex-husband used to say to me, you don't take direction very well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is actually I do if I really, really respect who I'm taking direction from, but that's right. Um, I, I'm really basically unemployable. And so I have not worked for anybody in all of these 30 some years. So I had to figure it out on my own. Yeah. So I, so from my first private practice, from the first practice of working with this woman, I said, I figured out how many hours I needed to work in a, you know, while working for her. And so that I could rent office space by the hour and then it would pay my bills. Mm. So that's what I did. So I got seven clients and that gave me enough money to be able to have the independence to leave her. And then I started getting involved and networking. So all of my success, honestly, if I could really put it into two things, it's really, um, it's really networking and relationships. And so it doesn't matter whether you know, you're using the internet and we're here on COVID or whatever. It's relate again, for me, other people, um, I'm a people person. So other people don't enjoy that as much well they they may be really great online or they may so we have to find things that work for us that we actually can sustain yes so i started my practice in uh washington and it was relatively easy because i had this background you know in the eating disorders and the eating disorder community and then at some point i wanted to leave washington and uh it was a very difficult place to raise kids and we were neither rich or poor. And in Washington, you were either very rich or very poor. Uh, and so there weren't two kids that went to the same school in the same block. So I had this vision of moving to a small town where my kids could all go to the same school. And they, so I chose, um, it was a little bit of a mistake too, in, in retrospect, but I chose uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, because it was out of the New York, Boston area. We could make some money on our house. And so we could move to Washington, to, to Portsmouth. Okay. But I didn't have, I didn't know a soul mm. and all my business was in Washington. So what I did is I moved my children, my husband stayed back for a while, but I moved my kids and myself up there and I started networking like crazy, looking for the people who were my affiliate partners. So uh -huh. as a psychotherapist, but an alternative psychotherapist, because I was an energy person, a spirituality person. And um, 
people who were yoga teachers, um, acupuncturists, chiropractors, mm -hmm. functional medicine doctors, uh, you know, integrative doctors, naturopaths. These became my, my group, my, my referral partners. So I started to build up those relationships, but I didn't have enough money at the time to let go of my practice. So I flew every single week from Manchester, New Hampshire to Washington, D.C. in the snow. Oh, my God. Oh, you know, my goodness. In the parking lot, I'd come back. There were there were seven major snowstorms that winter. Oh, <laughs> ouch. And, ooh. Yeah. and then, but I, I, you know, I'd leave. I get up at four o'clock in the morning, drive to the airport, get to my office at 10 o'clock in the morning and and leave the next day at three o'clock in the afternoon and get home oh. to feed my kids dinner. And wow. I did that for seven months, seven until, months, seven months every week until I built up because I could make enough money in DC uh -huh. you know, and pay for my airfare. And so and, until I could let go of that. Mm. And then, you know, I was there for eight years. It wasn't the right place for me, for, for us, for other reasons. It was way too conservative for me <laughs> and, uh, at the time, especially. And so we moved back to Long Island and I, now I had to do the same thing, but now I had enough support, enough income that I just could let it go. Well, okay. not exactly, but I took a bigger risk. Right. Right. And I rented space before I had any clients. And then that was in So I took a few clients with me by phone. This was again, before the internet, before the internet. Yeah. So I had some, you know, some sustenance. And I did the same thing. I just uh, went with, I filled out, had a brochure and, and some testimonials and, and I went from doctor's offices and wow. had to speak to office administrators. And, and there was one functional medicine doctor and she walked out and came and met me. And then she sent me a patient and then the patient went back and said, oh, I loved her. And she sent me another one and oh. she sent me another one. And I just had those referral sources that sent me everybody. Honestly, once I got started, I never had to do another marketing thing ever because nice. I had a strong referral basis. And wow. then, I, then I moved to Long Island and then, you know, and then I, I and, and got remarried and then I got moved back. No, actually before, yeah, before that, I, <laughs> I moved in, I got divorced and moved into Manhattan. And then I had a 20 hours of work in Long Island. And I said, wow, if I just, build up four hours in Manhattan, then I would have enough money to pay my rent. So you can see my thinking like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna New do York, this? Manhattan, yes. Right, right? So I, I, I leave my husband in December and in February I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my goodness. And yes. I had to close my practice in Long Island. So oh. I went from a thriving 20 hour practice to three people that I could continue seeing because they worked in the city. Mm. Um, and that was, that was a real, you know, many people saying to me, Tina, you really ought to get a job. You know, you ought to work for somebody. And I just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I started to cry. Some guy, you know, kind of called me within minutes for the resume that I sent him. I was making at the time, maybe $150 an hour, and they were going to pay me 43. Oh. And, 
you have to remember for every hour that you work for somebody else at that lower fee, that's one hour less that you have to actually do your networking. Okay. Yeah. Good way to think about that. Yes. Right. Always trying to figure out, you know, how much money do I need to pay my rent? You know, how many hours do I need to work? Um, And I could hustle up hours. You know, once I started networking and getting to know people and people getting to know me. So you can hear I was relentless, Bobby. I hear that. Yes. You know, I haven't talked about this in a long time, by the way, I'm sort of doing it here, but I I never give up. Mm. I, I never give up. And I figured if I could do it in one place, I could do it in another. Once I got the system going of how I did it the first time, I could just, you know, replicate it. Yeah. And now again, every every town is a different personality. New York City was by far the hardest. <laughs> as New, York, New Yorkers are, it's ADD city. ADD, like oh boom, boom, God. boom. Yeah, so they would make an appointment and then, you know, 10 minutes later, it's like, oh, I got something else. And I got, you know, I got oh, this wow. presentation and, you know, I'd start courses and people would sign up and they'd pay and then they wouldn't show up. And, and they say, wouldn't show up. I have a class, today, but, 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 but don't you have this class? And so I started to recognize, honestly, when I got divorced, that if I didn't scale my business, mm-hmm. I could never retire. Uh, one on one on one. And as much as I love it and, you know, love helping people in that way, it's not efficient. That is good. So when I first got my divorce and, um, and I moved into Manhattan, I also had left, uh, my ex-husband gave me some money that we had sold a piece of property, which had he thought about it, he never would have done it again, but um, he kind of had a, a weak moment. <laughs> so I had some money and I purchased for $15,000, Harv Ecker's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Yes, absolutely. I know. Yes. Uh-huh. That was back in the early two, 2000, 2000 uh-huh. 2006, something like that. And I went to one of his, um, if, if people haven't heard of him, you know, brilliant, brilliant marketing. I went to one of his events in, in New York in this big hotel. There must have been two 2,000 people in the room. And he's talking from the stage and, oh, you know, I'm going to give it to you this price and this price and this price. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get me, right? Yeah. time, everybody's running to the back of the stage. You know, and I'm up for his program and I start to walk out and I did like this hairpin turn. It's like, if he has that many people signing up for this thing, oh. he must have something that I don't know. Ah, okay. <laughs> he had a book and within his book, he had a coupon for a free seat at his $100 two or three day event. Mm. Right? And so you had to put down the hundred dollars. And then when you showed up, he gave you back the hundred dollars. And, and then within those three days, he would give amazing content, but in between there was selling the next program. Right. Right. I mean, the first thing I signed up for was nothing. It was a hundred dollars. And then by the time I finished the three days, I had bought a $15,000 program. <laughs> wow. That's some marketing. Yeah, that was marketing. So uh-huh. I kept learning and learning and, and, you know, 
but there were like five different trainings and they were amazing. And I wow. used so much of what I learned and so many of the, um, the sayings that they would say over and over again. And one of them was, you know, people give up just before they're getting ready to be successful. Just before, right. And so every time I even, I never really thought about giving up but when I would get discouraged. It's like, well, it's just around the corner, which is what I just said to you, right? When I just, you and I got on, you know, uh-huh. yeah, just around the corner. It's just around the corner. So it's this idea of having a vision. And I still, I, I, another piece of this is for all those years that I was married and kept my practice relatively small because that's what I could manage. manage. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to raise my kids. So I could arrange my schedule however I wanted it. I worked three days a week. You know, I worked 20 hours a week. I made a, you know, a good salary. I could go to their games. I could do all that stuff. But I always had this vision about what would it like, look like if I actually lived my potential. Yes. That was yeah. really, and still it, I, I'm living it. Uh-huh. I still have a, a ways to go for it to be actualized in the way that I have envisioned it. Beautiful. And you will definitely get there. Um, yeah, so it's, and it is all about vision, having that vision, because that vision, we see that in the forefront. And then we just, we, we keep building and building and building. And, and, and also then, self-correcting. I made plenty of so many mistakes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That were very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn from those as well. You know, absolutely. What we doing. There was a point where it's like, okay, I've invested all this money. I'm really good at what I do. And yet my business has not really taken off the way that I am envisioning it. Envision it, right. Right. Now, again, the private practice, I know that I could do in a heartbeat mm-hmm. because I know how to do it, but I didn't know how to scale my business. Ah. I am, I am the solopreneur. I'm very entrepreneurial. Right. But, and I see opportunities. And I, I study other people's businesses, but other people, now, again, this is really important for your audience. One of the things that was said to me, not to maybe two years ago, was the difference between a solopreneur and a founder is the founder has a team. Ah. The founder has a team. Yep. And if I had had a team, early on, rather than this warrior mom, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do mm-hmm. that. And I'm going to learn how to do my website and I'm going to learn how to do this. And I, it's absolutely exhausting. Yes. And I'm not good at it. Right. Good at it. Right. That was one thing. And the other thing was, um, I walked into this other training, this other thing that I, I joined, which was called CEO space. And this very, very wonderful, sophisticated old timer says to me, well, do you have a business plan? I said, um, what? A plan. Oh, (laughs) right. Like, what is that? (laughs) I created this in my head. The next next thing that comes along that helps me with my vision is the next thing that I spend money on. No, he said five-year plan Yep. or three your plan and then a two you know and then back it up back it up back it up to what am I doing today that will then lead to the month to the year to the next year and those two insights mm-hmm. you know, again, they be obvious to other people and sort of in intellectually they were obvious to me but I didn't have the right the right help to keep the analytics 
I, I'm, I'm not a numbers person. I think in vision and I think in big picture and, and uh, right. that does a program. It was called do the numbers and the numbers will tell you what to do. Ah, I never knew like how much money could I spend? Right. Right. How much money should I spend? Right. Know, is this a good use of my money? And knowing, and, and another one that, you know, she says, it's, if it's not your genius, it's not your job. Yep. I like that. If it's not your genius, it's not your job. Wow. That speaks volumes. That's yep. a good, that's, you know, that right there is a very good takeaway. Um, but I liked what you said, you know, a founder has a team and, yep. you know, and you definitely need that business plan uh, because even though it's in your head, you do need a plan, right? Well, and but the thing I just want to interject with that is you could have a plan. Yeah. What I didn't have was somebody that could help me when the plan wasn't working. Right. Right. How do, tweak it? How do you so tweak it? Here, you know, and so the idea now I have a team of people who have as much experience in what they do as what I do. Mm-hmm. So I can count on them. I can relax a little bit. You know, I can be the CEO of my company. Yes. I like I will take on their level of expertise and then I can share mine. And then as a, as a machine, we can move forward. I like that as a machine, we can move forward. <laughs> I like that. Now you, 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 you mentioned a lot of good, very, very good takeaways. Um, what are some of the phrases and then, and we can also talk about your book. Um, but what are some of the phrases or mantras that can help us to keep us going? Mm -hmm. So one of the things, again, is I'm a mind body person. So mm -hmm. I'm very in tune with what my, how my body feels. You know, if I notice that I'm starting to feel tight or and can notice that I'm starting to tap or, um, I'm feeling like that feeling of overwhelmed for me is a feeling of like I'm out, I'm out of breath. Yes. So I'm in touch with that. And then I start to look at, or, or it could be my, you know, or I notice that my mood is down. Okay. And then I start to look at, so where did that happen? I was feeling really great a little while ago. And now my, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of flat. Mm. And so I start to kind of look around like this happened to me yesterday. I was had a meeting with my team and we were running out of time and, and there were so many things that weren't decided. And I'm starting to think, Oh God, you know, I, I don't want to wait another week and then another week and another week. So I was starting to get frustrated. So I noticed that mm -hmm. I, 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 I spoke it, I said it and came up with another plan but I wasn't satisfied right okay. so then I had another client another client and I got on the phone with one of my kids who was also very perceptive and you know how you doing and he said mom what's up you know and then I just had to kind of like backtrack oh that meeting that I had has stayed with me mm. there's things that are unresolved unresolved yeah unresolved, okay so as soon as I start to feel that kind of stuff, the very first question I ask myself, what's in my control, what's out of my control? And let it go. Yeah. Out of my Some control. things you have to let go. Yeah. Right. So 
but it's a complicated thing. Letting it, let, letting it go. Right. Not always so easy. Not always so easy. <laughs> where the sports psychology comes in. I have a whole talk on what athletes do and great leaders and performers do when they, they, when they're able to, how do they let it go? How do they actually do that? Mm. And, that <laughs> yes. and that is through your process of coaching, correct? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Again, it's a body and a mind experience, but this is something that's really important for people that helps me again. The definition of stress is the perceived amount of control. This is the definition I use. Okay. Perceived amount of control that you think you have or you don't have. Ah. Perceived is the operative word. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So if I go back to that meeting where I was frustrated, what's in my control, what's out of my control? Can't control the time. Okay. I have a client, you know, in the next hour, everybody, we, we, have an hour. That's it. Okay. Uh, what else, else is in my control? Oh, I can speak up how frustrated I am. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's in my control. I could do that. Okay. And then because I was, I did that, you know, one of the other people who does all my writing and, and it's just a really great um, person to bounce ideas. And he said, okay, Tina, he said, you need my help. What do you, what time do you have Thursday or Friday? Send me all your presentations. Okay. Okay. Then like you're on a train. I'm my, right. I'm talking to my son. He says, who's really into content marketing and he's a genius. He's just a genius and creative. He says, mom, let me give it a crack. Let's okay. Meet, let's, let's meet on Sunday. You know? So uh -huh. what's in, what was in my control was to recognize it. Number one, my body was getting tight. I was getting, I was starting to feel overwhelmed. And number two, what was in my control is I could speak up. Nice. Yep. Problem solving. Problem solving. Yes. <laughs> that is, that is great. Uh, and let's just circle back around and talk about briefly your book and then how everyone can get in touch with you because this is, this is absolutely fascinating. Thank you. <laughs> fun to talk about. Uh, so my book is called Mastery Under Pressure. Yes. And I teach within this concept of training yourself to be like a super duper Olympic level athlete. I teach focus, relaxation, dealing with negative self-talk, how mm. to visualize and dealing with fear. That's the curriculum. I also have an online program and I also have a quiz. So everybody can take the quiz. You could also buy the book, which um, gives you lots of help with this. Yes. But the quiz is masteryunderpressure.net. Okay, masteryunderpressure.net. And, and then you'll, it'll assess where you are on each one of these topics. And I will get the results and you will get the results. And if you choose to um, think that it's worthwhile to have a conversation with me, um, I'm happy to do a 30 minute consultation. Excellent. Go over those topics again, please. Focus, relaxation, which includes meditation, mindfulness, um, visualization, mm. how to create powerful visualizations. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I talk about negative self-talk, but it's, ha it's how to change your, your negative talk into what I call productive thinking. Ah. I don't use the word positive thinking because positive thinking to me 
it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars. Right. Oh, you know, yeah. there's so many pieces that go into, into that. that law of attraction actually working, which it does. It does, but it's not necessarily just with a little affirmation. Right. Your whole body, mind. You started out with how do people sabotage? If we don't know how we sabotage um, unconsciously, which is what we do many times, uh-huh. uh, that will never work. Yep. Your vision will never work. So, uh, so I call it productive thinking. And then lastly, uh, how to use fear as your greatest teacher. Oh, that's beautiful. That's what this show is about. <laughs> yeah. I don't love it. I just I, love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Um, yep. From fearless to fierce, you know. Um, so this is this has been absolutely fantastic to hear this and to let our listeners know that there is help right around the corner. And don't you know, there is something right behind that. Yes. That you say to it, it's going to keep growing and keep, um, you know, working on your business. Yeah. Because I, I think Robbie, most of all, we have to be able to be step back and look at our businesses very analytically. And a little, yep. That's so you true. Know, what's working. What's not, what's not working. Everybody does in all their jobs. And you know, when you work for other people, what's working, what's not working. And we all have blind spots. Mm-hmm. And it's having somebody else help you see the blind spots, which is exactly what my youngest son did for me when I was just had spent so much money and getting so little results. And he came home from graduate school and he moved in with us for a couple of months and he said, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> I've given all this money to all these startups. Yeah. And who's paying you? Oh. And it was like he smacked me right between the eyes. Right. Yep. Right between the eyes. I know the feeling. Well, this has been, um, like I said, just absolutely phenomenal. I have I have gained a lot. And I know that my listeners have. So again, let's um how can we get in touch with you? And then I will put everything in the show notes and um we will close it out. Okay. So my, my email is Tina at masteryunderpressure.com. And then, and then the quiz is masteryunderpressure.net. Got it. Wonderful. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I truly, truly appreciate it. We talked so much today and if you need to hustle up how to be a bold girl in business and be successful at the same time, go on over to boldgirlbiz.com and check it out. It is full of great things and great opportunities for you. Thank you for listening. Again, I'm Robbie Walls with Bold Girl Biz. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to Bold Girl Biz. If you've enjoyed today's lessons learned, leave us a comment or review. And for today's show notes, head over to Bold girlbiz.com and click podcast. While you're there, you'll find tools to help you power through your journey to success to achieve your goals. Always remember, I believe in you. You are powerful and you are bold. See you soon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.